How would it be if you were able to totally trust that Source would always provide for you, even when your circumstances change? So instead of going into a panic that one particular avenue of your abundance, such as a job, has suddenly dried up, you can tune into a deeper trust that Source, that divine intelligence that guides all of life, also knows how to guide you to the abundance that is rightfully yours. Now, if you want to find out about that, then this podcast with Alan Cohen is for you, as Alan will share his wisdom in how you can let spirit guide you in your business, in your relationship with money, and much more. Alan has written several best-selling books, such as The Dragon Doesn't Live Here Anymore, A Deep Breath of Life, and Are You As Happy As Your Dog? In this interview, we'll talk about his latest book, Spirit Means Business. So in your book, Spirit Means Business, you go through various illusions about money and success and stuff like that, which are amazing take on it all. The first one is the first illusion that you bring up, and that is that success demands suffering. Would you mind to elaborate on this one, please? It's an old, archaic belief system that keeps many people small. Uh, We've been taught by religion and our model of our parents, mostly, that you have to earn happiness, that you have to struggle for it. It's like a, a belief system that's so ingrained in us that we hardly ever question it until we find somebody who succeeds without struggling. And then we see a light and say, hey, maybe it's possible for me to choose an easier path and still succeed. Now, even as I'm saying that, Sissy, I feel something in my body like, ooh, you're swimming upstream, like you're, <laughs> you're denying what most people believe. But really, the, the world has never been changed by well-behaved people. It's, it's yeah. been changed by people who are willing to question and go beyond what's accepted by almost everyone. So I'm a follower of the path of ease. I don't always do it, but, you know, it's my intention. And I I watch people who are struggling and they don't seem happy. And I watch people who are flowing and they do seem happy. And I'm inspired to follow the latter. Mm. So how can we do that? How can we make that shift so that we allow ourselves to open up to go with ease and receive rather than having that old belief that we have to really struggle and suffer in order to be worthy of any success? That's a great question. The first thing is to notice when you've stepped into struggle. And usually there's a bodily message, like most people will get a tickle in their throat or indigestion or a headache or a backache or hemorrhoids or, you know, some physical sign that you've now stepped into stress. And unfortunately, many people override that. They will keep working or have a drink, or have a joint, or take a pill, and they they deny the fact that their body is telling them, hey, you've just stepped over a line. So if you can just say, wait a minute, I just started to feel ill. I just got irritable. I just started to fight with my husband or my kid unnecessarily. And so the universe, spirit, God, higher power, is now telling me that it's time to step back. And here's the big question, sissy. If I were willing to choose ease instead of struggle at this moment, what would I be doing differently? And if you can tell the truth about that answer, a huge aha comes. You go, oh, I I could take a nap for 20 minutes. I could take a walk. I could do some yoga. I could put this aside until tomorrow if possible. And suddenly your health returns and your joy returns 
following the path of ease is like building a muscle in the sense that you, it's like, let's say it snows and you have to go from one house to another and you go back and forth. As you start to walk through that snow, you make a path. Or it's like trampling weeds down, maybe if you're going through high grass. And, you know, once you travel that path of ease, it becomes clearer and cleaner and flatter. And it becomes so much more delicious to do that, that the next time you're at the crossroads between struggle and ease, you choose the ease. Mm, fantastic. Now, how can we apply that if we are perhaps faced with something that we can't kind of do tomorrow that actually needs doing today and we can feel that we go into that stress response yeah. how can we still shift our thinking our perception about this so we can move through it with ease well you say okay spirit i have to do this would you please give me a hand here this actually happened to me yesterday we've been moving and i was kind of tired and i wasn't feeling well and I had to meet this guy. There was no way I couldn't meet this guy. I'd set something up with him. I would have felt worse if I didn't do it. So I had to drive into town for half an hour and meet with him and come back. And I really didn't want to do it, but I had to do it. So I said, okay, spirit, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but you're going to have to help me. <laughs> so I quit resisting it is what happened. I said, okay, mm. I just accept this. This is my choice to do this. Uh, I can do this and grumble and complain. Or I can do this and have a joyful attitude. And I did it. It was actually easy. And like that hour was kind of erased from my memory. It was kind of a funny thing to see. Like I wasn't in my body. It's really hard to explain. But I didn't feel any stress or any resistance. And by the time I knew it, I was home again. So basically what I do is, I, as A Course in Miracles tells us, turn it over. Yeah. It says, you know, like ask for help. And say, I, the little ego, cannot do this, but Spirit will help me to do this. And uh, it really works. I mean, uh, we have to partner with higher power in business and relationship and health and in life. When we partner with higher power, we have a friend that's going to guide us through the stormiest waters. And that's a great blessing of Spirit. Yeah, beautiful. Hey, that was pretty good. I like that. <laughs> mm. So in that moment, you allowed grace to take over and get you, because it sounded yeah. as if you were perhaps feeling a little bit run down, so maybe you didn't have the energy that you felt you needed for yeah. that meeting, and then grace just took over. Beautiful. Yeah. Lovely. I remember another time I had, had a deadline for a book that I had to hand in to a publisher. And I was, you know, stressing about this deadline and I was going into all sorts of stress with this and getting more and more ratty. And then my husband turned around and he said to me, this is a time of celebration. This is what you've asked for. Just embrace it. Love it. Realize that this is exactly what you're meant to be doing right now. And that comment also helped to just shift my whole attitude to it, my whole perception around it. You have a wonderful husband. <laughs> I <really>? do. <laughs> and he really, you know, we call that a reframe. Yeah. Where you take the, the same situation, you don't change the facts, but you achieve an attitudinal shift. And then that makes all the difference. Yeah. So then we come to another question here that you mentioned also in the book. And that is, why is intention so important? Because it springs from the deepest place in our mind and heart. We're given the power of choice by God, and the most fundamental level at which we exercise that choice is by willingness. Willingness is our greatest power because when we're willing, the law of attraction brings to us everything that matches our willingness. And this is why I teach in all of my seminars, work with the willing, work with people who are willing, 
work with a part of yourself that is willing, work with a part of the universe that is willing. Intention and willingness are the same thing. So, you know, if things aren't working, you really have to examine your intentions. You can always tell what you believe by what you're getting. So if you're getting mixed results, you have mixed intentions. And so you have to trace, trace everything back to your intentions to discover the responsibility for where the results are coming from. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So you then trace it back to see whether the intention was from fear or from love. Exactly. Well stated, yeah. Yeah. Everything that comes from fear doesn't work, and everything that comes from love does work. Yeah. And this brings me to my next question that I find that many might be struggling with at times, and that is to know when, when our will, our intention, is coming from what is in alignment with the higher plan, what is from spirit, what is from our soul, compared to when it is just from the ego mind wanting something. So how can we differentiate between the two before we see the results? So as we set our intention. Well, I was going to say you can tell by the results. Yes, I know. Me to go deeper. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, you know, we, we actually get results on a vibrational level even before we act. Mm. And so you can try ideas on for size and see how they feel before you act on them. Abraham says that if something doesn't feel good to think about, it's probably not going to feel good to do. Mm. And if something feels good to think about, it's probably going to feel good to do. So we can actually shortcut a lot of sorrow and maybe lifetimes of it by going within and asking our inner guidance how this particular prospect feels even before we act on it. And spirit will give us guidance at a very subtle level that shortcuts lots of problems when we don't listen to it. Yeah, beautiful answer. I love that. I love that. Money is not the root of all evil. Fear is the root of all evil. And can you elaborate on that so that we can change our perception around money? Well, money is neutral. It's just energy. And A Course in Miracles says that everything I see has only the meaning I've given it. So, you know, whatever we think money is, for better or worse, is a story we've made up around it. So many religions and fearful people have said, oh, money is the source of all of our problems. But no, the mind is the source of all our problems. So if you apply fearful beliefs to money, it's going to backfire. If you apply joyful beliefs to money, it's going to help you. So, you know, you can see money as a source of stress or money as a source of celebration. I know some people who have so much fun with their money, they love to channel it and spend it and invest in it and help people. You know, so I know one lady who just loves to lend money to people who are buying houses, and you know, she makes a little bit of interest on it. But most of all, she loves to help people. So for her, money is a big blessing. And so you know, we have to really claim responsibility for our experience with money instead of blaming money or the world for our pain around it, because we make up painful stories and then we live in them. Mm. And so we have to choose a new story if we want to get a new result. Mm. Now, quite many of us that are on a spiritual path may have beliefs around that we shouldn't charge money for our spiritual services. So what is your take on this and how we can change that? Well, that's another really good question. I work with lots of people who they want to be a coach or a healer of some kind, but they don't want to take money for it. And then they end up doing a job they hate in order to make money. And mm -hmm. they're kind of wearing themselves down. And so I think each of us has to come to peace with our relationship with money and spirit. And some people at one extreme end can devote a lifetime to healing and not charge a penny for it. 
I studied with a master teacher named Hilda Charlton. Uh, Jesus Christ never charged money for his healings. A German healer named Bruno Groening, who lived in mm-hmm. the 1950s, and he healed thousands of people. He never charged a penny. So these people have great, great faith, and you know they're supported. They never lacked for anything. My teacher Hilda, people gave her washing machines and a place to live and a car. They would just donate because they were so grateful for her help. So that takes a lot of faith, and if you can do that, then that's a great path. However, uh, a lot of us live in the material world where we have expenses. I have I have a mortgage to pay, and I have a partner, and I have dogs, and I have obligations. And so at the moment, I charge money because I need to pay my bills. Um, I don't turn anybody away who can't afford it, who I believe is sincere. Mm. I occasionally give scholarships. Uh, I do a number of programs for free so or a very small amount. So anybody can really get in on my programs that you know, an entry level or a more intensive level. So, uh, and I've experimented over many years, Sissy, with this, and that's that's what, you know, I've come up with. But each of us has to find our sweet spot where we, you know, we're happy about what we're charging or getting paid and, you know, happy about our services. One thing I just hate to see as I started off this answer is that I hate to see people who are struggling about money because they're not willing to charge for their services. I, I think people should be rewarded for giving spiritual services. I don't think people should have to prostitute themselves by doing something they hate in order to get paid, even while they're offering spiritual services for free. Mm, I agree. I agree. Thank you. That's really great. Then you also talk about the difference between source and avenue. Can you explain what you mean by that? Oh, it's one of my favorite topics. Thank mm. you. So we tend to get distracted and believe that a person or a job or a government or an economy is the source of our good. So if you're married to somebody and they're providing you to get divorced, you get afraid I'm not going to be supported. You have a job, you get laid off or you quit and you're afraid I'm not going to be supported. Well, you're confusing the avenue with the source. That person who is paying your salary or your bills they're just the intermediary. They're the middle person between spirit and you. And you might have remembered in the book, I use the analogy of a medieval gargoyle, where on the roofs of old buildings, they would have these, like a stone wolf or a dragon or a lion, and the water would come from the roof through the gutter out of the mouth of the gargoyle onto the floor, onto the ground. And if you didn't know any better, you would think that the lion or the dragon was producing the water, but it wasn't. It was receiving the water from a much broader source and then funneling it or channeling it to one specific place. So so we have to raise our vision and recognize that uh, God is our source, that spirit is our source, that universe is the source. And if one source dries up, there'll be another. The universe is very clever in its ways to find ways to support us. And if you don't believe it, try it. Just say, hey, you don't want to pay me anymore? That's fine. I'll, I'll get paid someplace else. Uh, my partner, Dee, actually, she was married to a wealthy man before I met her. And it was just a bad marriage and she needed to get out. And she just left. And she, you know, she didn't fight with him over money or have a big deal. Or, you know, she just wanted out. She took her stuff and she told him she was leaving and she left him. And then like six months later, she met me and we have a wonderful relationship for almost 20 years now. And she's extremely well provided for. I'm happy to support her through my income, and she helps in my office too. So, you know, some people would have wrestled with that guy in court for years to get money out of him, but she just trusted that the universe would provide for her, and it did. Mm. 
Beautiful. And I think that's what we forget often. It's like we stare ourselves blind to the avenue that we are used to getting something instead of, like you say, trusting that God is our source. God is our employer. The universe is our employer. And we can never be fired from that. We can't lose that when we allow ourselves to connect with that. And it's kind of fun to see how what happens. You know, like spirit is extremely creative in ways to find us and help us. And you know, I've had so many miracles. I, uh, I'll just tell you a very short story. Uh, many years ago, I did a program for a, a holistic health center, and um, they were supposed to pay me like $1,300 or something like that. And then they, they didn't pay me, and I kept asking them for money, and they said, oh, you know, we're short of funds. Even though they collected, they collected all this money from people, they made more money out of that, that amount. And so I sent them a couple letters, and they didn't pay me, and I was getting annoyed, and they said, oh, we're going bankrupt, and you know. So I sent them, I had my, I, I drafted kind of a, a harsh letter to them saying, okay, it's time to pay up. And I, I thought about it and I thought, you know, I don't do this. I, what the hell? I'll, I'll just, I, so I tore up the letter. I figured God will provide for me. And a month later, I did this program where they were supposed to pay me according to the number of people in the audience. And I counted like, um, it was like $3,000. And they gave me a check for like forty five hundred, <laughs> and I, I said, and I said I counted the people. You know, it seemed like it would be less. They said, no, no, we counted, and that's what you deserve. So basically, <laughs> the same money came from another source. And so, you know, it's more fun to allow spirit to provide for you in clever ways and to fight with people over money. I just don't do that. I think that's beautiful. That's lovely. And I think that's also not exactly the same, but it pops into my mind. So I was doing a, a meditation where I was going back in time to see where what I had inherited from my dad. And I could see that my dad, he was hopeless with money and he never provided for the family. My mom, bless her, she tried to provide also for him because he was a drunk. And as I was there in the meditation and I was sitting talking to him and his soul told me, I was never meant to provide for you. And I went, what do you mean? I couldn't understand it. And he said, I was never meant to provide for you. And suddenly Christ came in and said, because I am your source. And the change in me when I saw that was like, I felt that was like, yeah, of course, of course. So suddenly I could see my dad's lack of being a provider was such an amazing blessing because I've had to rely on that inner source instead. But what I'm hearing, Sissy, about your lovely story about your dad is that, uh, and I think you've already intuited this, that you kind of had a soul contract with him where he would purposely not provide for you, which would force you to expand your recognition of your source so that it would go far beyond your dad. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you. I'm very, very healing to come to that realization as well. And since then, Christ is very more present with me. He's been stepping in all sorts of meditations at the moment, which is lovely. I've obviously been a student of A Course in Miracles for a long time, so I've been following Christ, but I've always had this resistance. (laughs) I've always had this resistance. I think it's from, you know, the church and all of that. And now he's just there. And I, in my New Year's Eve fire, do a bonfire, I just said to him, okay, I'm following you fully now. But it's weird, isn't it, how we can resist something, although we have been following it for such a long time. I found that amazing, that there are still layers of resistance there. There are many different forms of Christ, and a lot of it has been bottled in religion, which is overlaid with lots of people's fear and guilt. 
And I think if we can just extract the Christ part from the Jesus part from the man, you know, the man did emulate the Christ, but if we can develop our own personal relationship with whether it's Jesus or Buddha or Muhammad or whoever it is, I think each of us, just like we have to find our sweet spot with money, we have to find our sweet spot in relationship with higher power. And my teaching is to say that you cannot carbon copy God, that you can't take someone else's version of God and adopt it yourself, that you, you, know, you just have to find your own way in and do what works for you and trust that if that works for you, then it is God's will for you. Mm. And also that it comes, it comes in stages as you are moving on this journey. So it's to stay open and curious about those different stages too and not be too fixed in our minds. At least that's been my experience. So then we come to, uh, I love the story about how your book, Why Life Sucks and What You Can Do About It, came into being. Would you please yeah, yeah, mind yeah. sharing that with us? Yeah, a while back, a friend of mine who was kind of a depressive guy, actually, he said, I think you should write a book called Why Your Life Sucks. And I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And a couple months later, I was approached by a publisher who wanted to do a a book, you know, I wanted me to write a book for her company. And we were kicking around ideas. And I just made this joke. He said, yeah, a friend of mine said I should write a book called Why Your Life Sucks. She goes, yeah, I want that book. <laughs> and I said, really? She says, yeah, what a great title. And I, I thought, oh, man, my life is really starting to suck now because I don't <laughs> want to do that book. It sounded like a pretty negative title. But she really wanted it. And she offered me a big advance and a big promotion. I said, well, all right. I said, let me, let me see if I can turn this around. And although it seems to be a negative title, maybe Maybe I can make it positive. So I, I just I added humor and I added vernacular and I kind of played with it and I gave 10 ways you can unsuck your life, so to speak. <laughs> and it turned out to be a good book and it turned out to be one of the best sellers, actually. And the lesson for me was that, you know, you can take any task, even if it started out on a sucky level, so to speak, you can flip it in your mind and reframe it. You basically you can make anything out of anything. So, yeah. if so even if a project starts out as a mistake or a negative or an obligation, if you play with it in your mind enough, you can flip it and turn it into a blessing. And I get lots of letters from young people. You know, my general audience is not teenagers or 20s or so, but I do get letters from people in that age bracket saying, hey, that book really spoke to me. So, I guess there was a divine plant behind the whole process. Absolutely. And it was also what I found was so funny with it is that the idea was kind of given to you and then right. you just said it right. as a joke. But by that stage, you were kind of already hooked into it. And then the publisher wanted to publish it. And then you had to go through the whole experience of your life really starting to suck and then finding ways out of it. So you could see how it was all divinely planned for you. It's just that you are. It was. And, but your it mind was. was like, whoa, I'm not so sure about this. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's lovely. I, I mean, I was laughing so much when I read that because I think we can all recognize that, how suddenly we get something that we are divinely assigned to do and then we try right. to backtrack. Yep. And yep. then how you were able to still shift that into something positive. So you actually showed up for that assignment fully yep. and the benefit that came from that to other people. 
I have to practice my own lesson. <laughs> yeah, because with that one, actually that brings us to our, what we started talking about earlier today, and that is to follow the path of ease, because this wouldn't have been the path of ease for you. But instead right. it was something that you were meant to do, and then you had to find a way of finding ease through that. Does that make sense? Exactly. Oh, perfectly. I perfectly stated. And I guess the idea is that, that ease is often attitudinal. Yeah. And you may have a task before you that seems challenging or, or you resist it, but you know, there's some way you can play with it so it becomes easy. And by shifting your mind about it, then struggle shifts to ease. Yeah. And I think that's really important with some of the divine assignments that we may have initially when they kind of are downloaded into our consciousness, or in your case, that your friend said this, and then the publisher hijacked it and went, yay, and then you got an advance, and now you were contracted in. But as we are being shown this assignment, I think sometimes we then freak out about the bigness of it, the largeness of it, and we just want right. to go, no, I don't want to do this. And it can then be very easy to mistake our feelings of wanting to run away for being the path of ease. I like to think that if spirit gives you an assignment, then spirit will give you a way to handle it. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, yeah, spirit will help you do it. Yeah, beautiful. Brilliant. And then it's the other illusion, which is that your supply is limited. Would you mind to elaborate yeah. on this one? Well, it's, you know, we live in a universe of infinite supply. And um, gosh, there's so many examples. I mean, if you look at the water in the ocean and the grains of sand on the beach and you know, God is not just enough. God is extravagant. Mm. God, you know, we, we used to go down, I live in Hawaii, as you know, and we used to go down to this mango tree in this forest, and this mango tree would throw off thousands of mangoes, you know, in the course of a season. And we would just go down there with a penknife and a little towel, and we would sit under the tree, and we would just, you know, eat these delicious, fresh, organic, natural mangoes, you know, for a whole meal, pretty much. And then there were lots of mangoes that were just sitting on the ground, and animals would come and eat them, and, the, and there were pits. How many mangoes can you produce from, from one mango pit? You know, they mm. say that only God, let me remember this, that a person can count the number of seeds in an apple, but only God can count the number of apples in a seed. Wow, yeah. You know, one seed from a mango can produce literally an infinite number of mangoes down the line. So we have to, you know, get our head out of the place that, oh, there's just so much to go around because, you know, the creativity of God is infinite and the creativity of human beings, which is the voice of God through people, is also infinite. So, you know, we just have to change our vision and quit looking down and start looking up. Hmm. And then the last illusion that I'd like to discuss today is that Success means getting as much as you can while giving as little as you can. Yeah, I was trained that way. I was trained that you bargain for everything. And if you got something for a low price, that was a really good deal. And if you got the winning end of a deal, you won. <laughs> you know. And as I've been in business over many, many years now, I see that it doesn't work that way, that really healthy business is when everybody is taken care of. And, you know, when I hire somebody, when I have a consultant for a project, when I have people who sign up for my workshops and pay a fee for my workshops, it's my really my deepest goal that everybody feels that they've won. And so there has to be an equal exchange of energy that, you know, you have to give what you get and you have to get what you give. And so, you know, I've developed what I think is a pretty, a pretty good sense of generosity and fairness in my work. 
And I like to think if I was the other person on the other end of the deal, what would I like to be receiving from this? Like, how would I like to be taken care of if I was that person? And I've never lost anything from it, Sissy. I mean, I do my best to take care of my employees and my students. And someone else said, when in doubt, give. Mm. Like, if you're not sure whether to give something, give it. And I've never lost anything. I I don't miss anything. I've always been very well taken care of. Mm. It also goes back to the principles from A Course in Miracles that the soul just wants to give. It just wants to share and that you extend their creation through giving, not through taking. And I think that's that's what you're implying here, that just by sharing it, it will immediately come back to you anyway multiplied. And, you know, since we're talking Course in Miracles, so the Course says that it is in the giving that you receive. Like, you know, Mm. if you give somebody 100 pounds and you sit around waiting for the 100 pounds to come back, you've missed the whole point. And it's not just money. You can give love or a favor or a hug or whatever. The moment you give something, something happens inside you that's healing, like the joy and the expansiveness and the trust. And whatever happens after you give it is immaterial to the good feeling you have in sharing it. That's the real gift of giving. Yeah, because then you are that source of that and you feel that, that divine abundance that is flowing through you in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything else you would like to add? I think that magazines and webinars and summits like you do are really making a huge contribution to up-leveling consciousness. And, you know, we can go to all kinds of business seminars about how to make more money and how to invest and how to play the stock market. And they're all valuable, you know. But I think as we help each other change our minds about money, and about business and about success. That's the paradigm shift that really moves culture to a whole new level. Mm. So the people that you and I touch this kind of work are the people who are open to having a shift and the people who will make the crucial shift at the most profound, deepest level that will ripple out and change what money and business are in the world in ways far more profound than doing it piecemeal. If you want to find out more about Alan, then visit alancohen.com. You'll also find him on Instagram and Facebook. And if you want to heal your relationship with your loved ones, with your body and with money, then why not tune into this week's podcast on this topic? And if you'd like to receive a free guided meditation, then visit cecilwilliams.com. Sending you lots of love until our next week's episode. Bye bye, everyone. Bye bye.